Father, Lord, we uh, come before you this morning, and I, I thank you for this time, Lord. Uh, again, we lift all of those up in Mexico, Lord, that you would just uh, bring them back safely. Lord, I pray, Lord, that uh, they would uh, finish that house, Lord, with success, Lord, and that you would just... Uh, you would just be there with them, Lord, showing the love to this family that the house is being built for. Lord, may you be here as well. May your, may your presence be felt here in this place. May your word be spoken, Father, that you would just, uh, that you would just be used in a mighty way, Father, Lord. And I just, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you for all that are here, Lord, for the faithful and, and for those that couldn't be here, Lord, that you would just be with them, Lord, for, through whatever it is, through the sicknesses or, or whatever it is, Lord. We just pray that you would just be with them now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna be in today in First Corinthians chapter three. I know that I've been doing First Peter for some time uh, when I've had to cover, and I decided to kind of go on to uh, First Corinthians in this case. So um, figured I'd save First Peter for for the rest of the congregation that's here. Um, but not that this is any different or any worse. This actually is a very powerful book and chapter here. First uh, Corinthians. Now, as an introduction to this, the Church of Corinth is located in Greece, about 50 miles from Athens, and, and this is this is the church that Paul probably spent the most amount of time in during his uh, during his church planning there. Um, why there was so much time spent there was probably because of the need. There, you know, them being a new church and new believers, and they weren't just new believers. Uh, there were people from a place where they pretty much worshipped all sorts of different entities. There, as we know, in Greece. All these different, you know, man-made gods were worshipped and thought of, and so on and so forth. So here's Paul venturing to this place, and, and where where believers were now converted to Christ, and and he's spending the time there. He spent most of his time there uh, to teach them. So this chapter and book show the power of God's word because again, this was written to a people who did not know Christ. Okay, so the teaching are strong and important because really. We're no different in our shortcomings or in our walk in life as, as they were. We pretty much battle and deal with the same things that, that they did. And uh, the, the cool thing is, is we get to share the wisdom of, and love of Christ and share in the same teachings of the Corinthians and, and become even more stronger and rooted in our walk through his word and through, through the teachings of these books. So we're going to go ahead and get started here in chapter 3. Verse 1, it says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? So Paul tells the people of Corinth that he speaks to them in simple childlike terms of the world. They were new to Christ, and he acknowledges, he acknowledges them that Christ is in them, but they're still babes. As for us, the believers that have been walking for a while, this is more of the solid food for us. But now he's really speaking to them in terms that, like, hey, you need to understand this. So, like children, they need instruction and discipline. And God put in the heart of Paul and other disciples to help them. You know, chapter 1 and 2 of this book are close in the teachings. But I feel that chapter 3 really hit the nail on the head. If anybody has read through 1 Corinthians before. Very similar in the teachings of chapter 1 and 2. But 3, I really think he just kind of nailed it. So, he says here, in, like children, again, they need the instruction. They need the discipline. And, and for those, it really goes good for us. Okay, so uh, let's read back in chapter 1, verse 2. 
It says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who are called on the name of the Lord. So, that's, that's the first thing he says, is I, you know, that for all of us that are called, called to Christ, listen closely. Listen closely to what, to what this, this teaching and this instruction that's being given to. So he, he starts out here in the beginning of that you're, you're mere men. You know, there's jealousy and quarreling among you. Now, let's turn real quick to James chapter 4, verse 1. I get there. Verse 1 through 6, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So here, James starts out with the very first thing, is what leads to quarrels and fights among you? James asks, is a question of what, why, how? And I've got to appreciate this, because I really believe that James has reached a spiritual maturity in his, in his walk and in his life that he no longer understands the rhyme or reason for, for all of the things that are going on. You know, what causes fights and quarrels among you, he says. I, don't, I no longer understand these things, because now I have reached that spiritual maturity in Christ that now I'm here. No longer do I understand these things. I think that's a great place to be. I think it would be a great place to be for all of us. And now, here Paul's, again, probably noticing and hearing these things that were going on. Okay, so, the hard thing is if we think about it, too. The fighting and, and the quarreling. It seems to get worse, or it seems to be worse when church families kind of get into it. You know, have you ever seen it? Do you ever notice how... When things happen in a, in a, within a church family, for some reason, it goes really downhill. More so than maybe, you know, an outside work relationship where, you know, you battle it out, you shake hands and call it good. But for some strange reason, it's worse. It's worse within church families when there's fighting and quarreling because it, it, for some reason it's worse. That, that the understanding of like, hey, wait a minute, why, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? Are we not? Are we not just? Are we not mere men? That's exactly what he's saying. We are just mere men. Okay, so so he has got this. He's at this place to where it's just like this is this is crazy. Why 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 do you do this? So Paul notices it first. James says it later because it continues on throughout throughout the times. We see it today. What causes fights and quarrels among you? I just don't understand is where he's at, which I think is great. Okay. So now, also, Paul states that, that how some follow Paul and others follow Apollos, who served with Paul, but yet the reminder of them being mere men is said to them. Now, Paul and, uh, Paul and the apostles were not chosen to take the place of Christ 
they were cho- chosen to do his work. Not to take his place, but to do his work and to teach his ways. And that's exactly what he's doing. That's, that's what we're reading here. It's basically the, the fruit of the, of the labors and of the teachings of Christ being passed down to the apostles and now to the churches that were being started. I love in, 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 in John, in chapter 3, verse 26, I, I went over this with the high school not too long ago, how, how John the Baptist handled a, a quarrel or a fight. When Jesus and, uh, and John the Baptist were, were baptizing people in the Jordan, there was people that kind of followed John, and there was a, a big load of people being baptized by Jesus. So, but the ones following John noticed that Jesus was on the other side baptizing all of these people. And they're questioning that. John, you know, they refer to him as rabbi. Rabbi, why is this, you know, who is this guy, and why is he doing your job? Why is he doing what, you know, what you're supposed to be doing? And I, I love that, you know, the thing that he says, in the end, he just says, you know what, I, this makes me happy of what I'm seeing. I am glad to be seeing this, because that is the chosen Messiah. He must become greater, and I must become less. Right? That's what he said. He must increase, I must decrease. And I'd like to think that that's what we do here, right? We are here to increase Christ, and we're, we're here to, to, to raise him up, and, and, and to raise each other up. So then here we have the fighting and the quarreling among us and the questioning, not among us, but among the churches and the people, right, that, that go on or that was going on back then even. And then the people now understood, this is the chosen Messiah, okay? This is the reason that, that, why he's doing this. He increased, I decrease, okay? So what's cool about this is, yes, we might be decreasing as we're here, but we're, and we're increasing Christ. But we're also, we're increasing our way into his kingdom, if you think about it, right? We're going to increase ourselves to him. And that's comforting, okay? Yes, we will become less, okay? We can do all things through Christ, but we are nothing without him, right? That's what the Bible says. All things can be done through Christ, but really we are nothing without him. Uh, My son Brandon just learned how to ride a bike recently, okay? And he's had very little training on training wheels. Now, what I do with him is, is I, ride around, I ride around the community with him. And, and what I do is I, I just tell him, whatever you do, you stay right behind me, whatever you do. Okay? And I continue to look behind me as he's, as he's behind me at times. You know, Sometimes he gets a little too far away, and sometimes he's trying to pass me up. He wants to show me up sometimes. So, but nonetheless, he, he, he's staying behind me. Okay? So I see a car, I always look behind, like a parked car, because that's, you know, the first thing you'd hit. <laughs> you know, it's the first thing I've almost hit a few times. Watch out, car behind you. You know, he stays right behind me. Another car coming up, look behind you, car coming up the street, watch out. You know, I'm, it's, it was, it's my job, my goal is that, that he stays right behind me, okay? So Paul is kind of leading them in the same way, right? As he's teaching them how to ride a bike, as he's planted this new church. Okay, follow, follow, you know, follow Christ. We are just mere men. Okay, and as I say this about myself, Paul says the same thing about him and Apollos. Now, Apollos was also the guy that was basically uh, serving with Paul in this case uh, when he started the church of Corinth. He left him, you know, he left uh, Apollos there to, to carry on with his work. So as I say, as Paul says, I say the same thing, 
do not, do not follow me, do not follow any mere men. Only follow us because we follow Christ. Okay? I'm not going to, I myself have no intentions on, on running myself or my son into a parked car. But accidents happen. I'd probably hit one before he would even. I, you know, I take my eyes off of where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to hit the parked car. So, again, I follow Christ. Okay, we are to follow Christ, and and we are not to be followed as mere men, but only together because we follow our Savior. We follow we follow one of perfection, of the one that will not lead us off of a cliff or into a parked car. Verse five it says, "What after all is Apollos, and what and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you come to believe." As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but, is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So... What is Paul? What is Apollo? Servants, he says, with, with certain tasks. So Jesus chose 12 apostles, and, and some of them from, from many different walks of life, professions, and used them all in mighty ways. So when going into a church, you'll see, worship, you'll see a worship team, ushers, greeters, children's teachers, youth pastors, elders, deacons, and so on. And that is the task and calling of each person. In ministry or in life outside of the church, which is even more of more of an important task, right? So, for anyone who's ever planted a tree or a garden can relate. And the farmer is the, is the perfect example, as he mentioned here. The one that that plants a seed, and waters the seed, God does the rest. Okay, so that goes spiritually speaking. Also, you know, also the turmoil Paul will probably notice in verse three, the jealousy, the fighting, is probably due to competition. You know, some want, to be the, some want to be the pastor teaching. Some want to be the worship leader. Or they get upset that the results are not seen by, by what they did, but they fail to remember that God did it, right? So, one plants, one waters, but the rest is God's doing, right? The farmer, all he can do is plant that seed and continue to water it. It's, it's, God's, it's God's choice for when it grows and how, far, and how long it takes and how it grows. So we all tend to God's fields. And, and Jesus said it perfectly in John chapter 4. I mean, let's turn back there real quick. Uh, verse 35 to 38. Thirty-five through 38. It says, Do you not say... Four months more, and then the harvest. And I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now his, he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, and others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So... One reaps, the other sows, one plants, the other waters, and God grows it, grows it to glory to him, and yet we all get to be a part of it, is what he's saying, right? Which is the cool thing. It doesn't matter what we do, okay? It, it doesn't matter if one is 
up here at the pulpit, if one is, is teaching in the background of the kids, or if somebody's cleaning the bathrooms, it's, it's about service, service to Christ. It's about what we're doing for him and what he has put us in. Okay, I heard a pastor of many years one time say that if, if we do more than what God has called us to do, we're going to fail. And I really believe that. We can only do so much. And he gives us certain talents to use for, for his glory and, and to our ability. And, and so I, I look at that and I'm like, wow, Lord, that's really neat. Again, I just I started out here playing music because he gave me enough talent to be able to carry that, right? As of Luke, Luke is the worship leader here. That is the God-given talent that, is, that is, was given to him. Is every one of us has something that, that, are, that are of use to him that we get to use, right? So as we look here, we look at, at what's going on of the things that, of, of how things are treated nowadays. I really believe that, unfortunately, that when you go to churches and you, and you look behind the scenes, you see more of a, a commission-based mindset of the business world, of like, how many people have I, have I led to Christ? You know, what have I done? How many people are in my church? How many, you know, I've, I've heard the many stories of, of pastors coming together to, uh, to brag of these things, right? So it's, it's funny to hear these things. I, went, I remember going to a pastor's conference last year, and I think I told my high school group this, that two pastors were bragging about the amount of people they had in their churches, Right, and and then so another pastor comes up and puts his arm his arms around them. And he's like, guys, are we uh, are we a church of numbers or are we a church of acts? Right, out of the two out of the two books in the Bible, are we a church of numbers or are we a church of acts? After that, they didn't really have much to say from there. That was the, the story that they that was told. That was like, wow, wake up call, right? What starts these things among you? I have heard many different things over the years, many different opinions on. Numerous people of how they think church should be, a church should be ran. Now, last year at the pastors' conference I went to, they had the pastors' uh, Q&A, questions and answers. I don't know, there's probably about what? We watched the video, right, babe? It was like eight or ten of them they had up there. And every one of them, for the most part, had something a little bit different to say. Each one of them ran things just a little bit differently. But they were all on the same page. And, and simple, because we're reading from it out of God's word, the instruction and what, and what was said on, on how to be following and how to be, and how to be with one another, right? I've, I've heard the many different things. I've heard that, uh, you know, you, you should run your church like a business, uh, you know, and I'm like, I think about that, and I'm like, well, that's typically told by businessmen, right? Somebody in construction will walk in and look at the way something's built. A painter would look at, look at you know, what needs to be touched up, you know, we all have our ways of, of seeing things that are uh, of, of our own talents, right? But I think what God has spoken to me, and I'll share this with you, with you on what God spoke to me, is, is I, don't, I don't believe that church should be ran like a business. I think it should be ran like a household because what is this? God's house, right? And we are the children of God. What do we do, what, you know, within our households? We make sure that everybody's fed. We make sure that everybody's loved cared for okay when money's involved yeah i could see where the concept of of running things like a business might come in but we make sure everything's taken care of financially as well don't we right our household god's household god's field is what we're tending to and we are are part of that which is the which is the beautiful thing and that's what paul is reminding them okay 
you're a part of the field that God has put you to work in. Okay, and you are a part of the fruit that gets to bear from the tree planted. Christ, you know, Christ is the is is the one is the, you know the main tree, right? And we're just the branches from it. So it's that it's that reminder again of that every little thing we do for Christ is remembered, and every little thing we do is just as important as as the big things. In His eyes, service to Him is service to Him, no matter what's done. It's all from the heart, and it's all from from the way we look at it. And and Paul's noticing here that, you know, like, hey, I think what's going on in Corinth here, being a young church as you are, you still have the mindset of children, or you still have the mindset of, of the old the old business like matter, okay? It's like it's like a commission, a commission based thing. Okay. Think about this too. If we, if we ran things like a business, what would we be? We would be numbers, right? We would be employees, wouldn't we? I just could not see that. What I see is my family out here. That's what I see. Okay, and Paul also sp- spoke in Timothy when, when br- bringing up leadership on how leadership should look at one uh, look at one another. As we are we are all related in one way, shape, or form. That you know, older men and women should be looked at and thought of as parents. You know, as I look at Connie and Larry, I've always thought of them as my parents. Right? That's. I'm like their older, their older son. <laughs> it's kind of the way I kind of look at that, right? And James and Kim, my older brother and sister, right? We're all, I'm Uncle Rick to some of you guys, right? That's the way I try to look at it, is we're, is we're of a family. Is we're of a family. We're not, we're not of, a, of a number. We're not of a business. We're of something, more, of something more important, okay? So take the talents, take the abilities that he's given us and, and use them for his glory. Use them for... To, to make him smile. I, I love it when my son does something, something good. He's like, Dad, I think I made Jesus smile today. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, what did you do? And he'll tell me what it was. And I'm like, you know what? I think you did. I, I really believe you did. You know, make him smile. That's what it's about. Okay, make him smile, not so much those looking around. In verse 10, it says, by the grace that uh, God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the, than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss, and he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So I like this, how Paul refers to himself as an expert builder. Uh, by the grace God gave him, again, grace being unmerited favor and a wonderful gift from God, allowing Paul to be a teacher to the Gentiles. So as a master builder, he, he became, because that's exactly what he was. That was his calling and his mission, was to plant churches. As we know, Paul went all over the place. And that's what he did. So a great passage in Romans chapter 15, verse 20, which is one of my handful of favorite verses. It says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. So again, the foundation or the the rock is Jesus. And he uses us to build his church, just as Paul did that. Okay, so 
We're reading Corinthians, which Corinth is in Greece, as I mentioned. So is Philippi from the book of uh, the Philippians. Galatia and Ephesus were in Turkey. Okay, so the book of Titus is where Paul and Titus planted a church on the island of Crete. As I mentioned, the guy went everywhere. Okay, he went everywhere and planted churches. And he did exactly what he said. It has been my ambition to, to go where Christ was not known. And Christ was not known in Greece. Christ was not known in Turkey. He was definitely not known in, on the island of Crete because back then uh, the Cretans were very brutal and had no idea of who Christ was. Okay. And at one time in Romans, Paul was actually mentioning that he was going to try to make his way to Spain after he got out of uh, jail from being you know, arrested for teaching you know, the word of God. So it doesn't say if he made it or not, but the guy had the ambition. The guy had the, the will to go all of these unknown places where Christ was not known to teach them and to convert them. Okay. So I like it. Speaking of, of how the church will withstand fire was not in literal terms, I, I believe, but in spiritual, because we are refined by the fire, tested and approved by Jesus as the refiner. Daniel chapter 3, we look at Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego thrown into the blazing furnace. Does everybody remember that story, for the most part, how King Nebuchadnezzar threw these guys, three of them, in this blazing furnace? And then one of, one of the guys looked in right after they were thrown in, and they said, hey, wait a minute, I see a fourth person in there in the image of the Son of God. So Nebuchadnezzar kind of takes a peek inside and was just like, whoa, you know, like, hey, come on out, guys. You know, I, it, it was that wake-up call that he got that, to, to see this, to, for him to believe. So he brings them out, and, and Nebuchadnezzar changes his ways, you know, shortly after that, right after he'd seen them. Okay? So... What I look at here is the, the building and the foundation of how the church is built, or how, the, how strong is the church going to be, you know, when you build it out of, what are you going to build it out of, right? Now, let's, let's go back to our childhood, story of the three little pigs. Does everybody remember that little story? You got three pigs, they're all brothers, at least I take it as that, that's what it was, and uh, one built the house out of straw, the other one built the house out of sticks, and the other one built out of bricks. So here comes a wolf wanting to attack these pigs, and he basically blows the straw house down. He runs off to the brother's house with sticks, and then he blows his house down too. Then the both of them are finding you know, themselves at the other brother's house who built the house out of bricks. The wolf could not blow that house down. Why? Because he built it strong. Okay? He did not get to them. He built it strong, and it was tested. It was tested through the fire, if you will. Here's the story. You look at the, at the book of Acts. Paul says in the, it, towards the end there that, that as soon as I leave, savage wolves are going to come in and scatter the flock and try to destroy you. Okay? And, I, and as I read that, it reminded me of this, little, of this kid's story of how a wolf will come in, tear your house down, and rip you apart or try to, or try to get at you in one way, shape, or form. And Paul used this as the perfect example of, of what goes on. Okay? So, us, our church, our family, can be built out of the strongest material through our love, through our, through our faith, through prayer, and most of all through, through the teaching and study of God's Word that strengthen us and admonishing him as our Lord and Savior and the fact that we're nothing without him, right? 
savage wolves will always come about. Not just in a church, but in our lives. How do you think Satan works? He attacks you whenever you least expect it. Now, our bodies are, are the temple, right, that, that, holds, you know, that, that God lives in us. And he will send the wolves after us. He will send many different obstacles our way. But again, when we're, when we're refined and tested through the fire, as the refiner of gold, as Jesus is, he's refined us through this fire to where he now sees his reflection in us. We're, in it, we're made in his image, right? So therefore, we have to be put through the fire at times to be, in order to be able to withstand it, to be ready for these things and to strengthen ourselves amongst the times of, of when wolves and when, when the time that Satan comes about and wants to do his business. In verse 16, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that, and that God's spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are, are futile. So then no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So again, he speaks to the church as he also refers to the temple as, as he dwells in us. Just as Jesus told the, the Jews or the Pharisees when he went to the temple in Jerusalem. And, and you guys remember, now here's, here's the perfect example of, of churches being ran like businesses, right, if you will. Jesus goes to the temple in Jerusalem right after the Passover. And what does he see? We went over this with the high school guys. Remember, they, they, he walks over there and he sees all these people selling animals and they, they, they basically turned it into a cheap swap meet right outside of God's you know, holy temple, selling animals and miscellaneous other things. And Jesus gets pretty ticked about this. You know, as, as he sees this, he's just like, what? <laughs> you know, am I seeing this correctly? So what does he do? He basically makes a whip out of cords, and, and he chases everything off. He chases all of them off, releases the animals, and says, you know, how dare you make my father's holy place into a house of business or, you know, into such a thing. Okay, so they mentioned to him, too, that so the Pharisees see this and they question him. So it's like, what, what sign or miracle can you show us that, you, that, that approves this, this action? And he says, well, he goes, tear down the temple and I'm going to raise it back in three days. And they all started laughing. They're like, you know how many years it took us to build this temple and so on and so forth? He was referring to himself, the temple. He is the temple. What happened? They tore it down, and it got raised back up in three days, right? That's exactly what he was referring to. So, we see Jesus, we see his demeanor change when he saw a holy place being defiled by places of business and by things that God did not approve. Now, parents, uh, husbands, what would be your response if somebody tried to harm or destroy your family? Or, or your your husband or wife or children, I really think the demeanor in us would change, wouldn't it? Okay. Now, it's how God made us. He's the same way. 
he said it right here, right? He said he said it to us that that we are like his temple, and if somebody just you know somebody tries to destroy us, he's he's going to do the same thing. We're his kids; he watches over us. Okay, the demeanor would change. You know, normally people would people see me as the joking, you know, loving type of guy that I am most of the time. But if somebody, yeah, if somebody attacked my family or tried to destroy him, my demeanor would change by any means. By all means, of course it was because he he we were made in his image. Except he's without sin. He's perfect. We were made in his image. Okay, so and then on top of that, like I said, we are his children, and we, and and the church is the bride of Christ. So we are under his protection. We are under his guidance. Most of all, we're under his love. Nothing, nothing will happen to us that he, you know, he will not take care of. He flat out said that right then and there. That he's got us. We are, once in my father's hand, once in my hand, no one can snatch you out. Okay? So last, and he reminds of boasting of men. Stop doing it, he says. First Peter chapter one at the end of at the end of chapter one it says all men are like grass they wither away, but we have we have the assurance of eternal life. And how true is that? All men are like grass and we're like the flowers that wither away. Our time is coming near as we grow older. You know, that's exactly what is ha- what's happening. As even Peter said, hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. Our time we wither away, but we are going to spend eternity in one way and one day will not be in the form you see us. So continue to walk and uh, walk strong and run this race for for what you've got to do. Okay, verse 23, you are of Christ and Christ is of God. We have the creator of the earth, universe and heaven on our side. Right? We sing songs about that how you know no one can, you know, no one can take us away from that. Listen closely to the worship songs we sing, acknowledging that. We acknowledge that in song, but we must also acknowledge that even more so in Scripture, on the power of it. Okay, so may we remember the instruction to the church of Corinth. As, as we study in Matthew and 1 Peter, Corinthians, we, we see the fruit of Christ's work in, in, in the disciples as we, as we will through all of us through his word. And then, and then from our actions, right? It's going to be from our actions that make the difference. Okay, we could speak about it. You know, we could, uh, we could encourage and we could basically say, I'm praying for you, which is great. But sometimes Christ wants us to go and do a little bit more. Sometimes he wants us to pick somebody up that might have fallen instead of, you know, you okay? You good there? <laughs> you know, as we do sometimes. We're afraid, we're afraid to go out and do a little more. And because the time, because times are near in our lives, as we look back, we think, like, did we do what was right? Did we do enough? Did we do what was required of us? Okay. The Corinthians, to all the churches out here today, us believers, that we would be growing into, into a place and, and into a, of a people that do not just see the word of God. But do the word of God, as it says in, in James chapter 1. Okay? I'm going to end on this. In, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it says, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Isn't that true? You know, as, as, as you know, we see each other 
on our exterior, our exterior positions, but yet to know, to know how we are is what's important. To see the heart of, of us is what's important, the inside. I spoke last time about the building of a house, right? You know, you could have, or, or of, of a church building, of how you could have this grandiose exterior. But when you go inside of it, it could be empty. Nothing's worse than an unpainted wall, right? <laughs> or more boring, or, you know, or whatever the case may be. Emptiness inside of, of something that looks grandiose. Okay, look at Satan. Look at Lucifer. The most beautiful of all angels. On the exterior, he was the most beautiful of all angels. But, now look at him. How easily people can be fooled by things. Uh, of what we see on the outside. But it's, it's, it's more important to be looking on the inside. On the inside of things. And, and I just, uh, being led here, I, I just, I think to myself, it's like, good, because I need it just as much as anybody else. All these are is reminders, encouragements, and just, again, uh, strength and admonishment to the family here to be doing whatever we can for our Lord. Okay, so we have a group of people right now in Mexico building a house. Praise God. But may we continue as we're here, too, to be doing something as well. Okay, it's just as important no matter where we're at or what we do. Right? So... On the end of that note, I just it's in my it's in my prayer. It's it's in my it's in my heart that again that we that we grow, continue to grow inside, inside of our hearts and our actions and in our ways. That we would continue to grow spiritually and, and grow stronger into God's word. It is again my my privilege to be doing what I get to do. Because that's all it is, is a privilege that God gives us to serve him. And we must remember that, that that's exactly what it is. I remember getting my driver's license. The one thing they, they taught you is that having a driver's license is not a right, it's a privilege. Right? <laughs> that's the one thing I remember being taught. And it's the same way of how it is with us. We have, we have the privilege of, of being chosen by, by a Lord that's, that's perfect and loving. And that uses people like me. To, to basically serve him and, and to make and, and to raise his name up. And it's just, uh, again, as I look at myself, I look in the mirror sometimes before I go on to study, and I'll look in the mirror and I think, like, how did I get here and why am I here? As I look back at the things that, you know, things we've done or things that, you know, go through our minds or in our hearts, how did I get here? Why am I here? This isn't right, you know. But then again, it's, 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 it's what's on the inside is what the Lord told me. It's just like, it doesn't matter anymore, right? I came in and redecorated the house. <laughs> you know, I painted the walls. I hung up the pictures. I made a change. I made a change in you. And that's the encouragement is to let him. Let him come in and redecorate the house. Right? Us guys especially are more stubborn to things like that, especially inside of a house. We don't mind the walls being white. We don't mind there just being a couch and a television. You know, the wives want to come in. They'll want to you know, rearrange things. They'll want to basically redecorate, beautify, beautify it a little more. And us guys will just leave, just leave it alone. It's perfectly fine the way it is. 
right? And so that's, that's the way we look at things inside of a house, but do we look at that as ourselves, right? I'm perfectly fine the way I am. But yet Christ comes in and he's just like, no, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and repaint that wall over there. And I'm going to do something a little extra special in there to make it more beautiful. Ah, the outside of the house, that's, you know, there's ah, not much I can do about that. <laughs> but I'm going to change the inside. I'm going to move some things around. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it better. And then on top of it, I'm going, to, I'm going to help build your foundation a little stronger. So that's my prayer. That's my, that my hope is that the foundation continues not to crack but to be strengthened. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and end on that note and, and uh, thank God for this for this time and for the people for all of you here and for those uh, serving in Mexico right now. Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for for what for what you've done for us, Lord, through your word and through uh, 